Oh, I wish I had like a little song that I could sing to start this off that was like welcome back themed. Yeah. The boys are back feels overdone at this point. Yeah, but we could do the boys are back in town. <clears throat> I got one. I know I've kept you waiting. Oh my god. I know I've made you mad. But this, but this time, time that we spent creating is the best time I've ever had. <laughs> my name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. Because we're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. Cut print moving on is the only moment in the Smash catalog that makes me go, okay, Catherine McPhee. Mm-mm. It's that and it's um, public relations. I relate to men of so many nations, but public relations are my favorite gun. She sings, um, but sometimes you have to roam. Oh, it's so good. The placement, it sounds so healthy. And yeah. I'm like, okay. She was warm this day. I'm a big Catherine McPhee apologist when it comes to her particular portrayal of Karen Cartwright on Smash the TV show. I'm a big Karen Cartwright apologist, baby. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, welcome back to Sentimental Men, the Wicked Podcast. The first episode of this new era. So exciting. I know. New era. I think the guest that we have on deck for this first episode back is very appropriate and fitting because she has been the talk of the town. Yeah. Who else could we have (laughs) as our first guest back? First guest back. And I know we say this about every guest. (laughs) (laughs) I truly have been saying Carla Stickler's name from the beginning of this endeavor. Yes. Because I have been obsessed with Carla Stickler since I was like 13, 14, 15 years old, when she was the standby on the first national tour in Wicked. For Miss D. Rossioli, friend of the pod. And Nicole Parker, other Other friend of the pod. And Mamie Paris. Aspirational friend of the pod. Carla Stickler, she's here. Kevin, do you want to run through the resume and then we can kind of talk about the moment of it all? Quincy, I would love to run us through the resume because it is honestly one of the most interesting resumes that we've ever read out loud on this show. So... After graduating from NYU, Carla went on the Asian tour of The Sound of Music as Liesl, which like straight out the gate, we love an international queen. At Jenny Denoya. After that, from 2007 to 2009, she was on the Mamma Mia second national tour in the ensemble understudying Sophie. Quincy, I love Mamma Mia so much. And you know, when I think Mamma Mia, I think... Well, I think two things. When I was a little kid, I did something bad. And instead of grounding me or taking away my cell phone, my mother took my Mamma Mia DVD and threw it in the dumpster outside of our house. (laughs) She said, I'm going to hit this kid right where it hurts. So she really had me clocked from the beginning. (laughs) Uh, But secondly, when I think Mamma Mia, I think of you because the summer that we met and worked together, Mamma Mia 2 came out. Continue. In 2010, she made her Wicked debut on the first national tour in the ensemble Understudying Alphaba for two years. Mm. And then in 2012, uh, she left the ensemble Understudy Alphaba and became the Alphaba standby and the an understudy for Nessa Rose. Mm-hmm. We love that track. And I saw her as Nessa Rose. I know, I know. She was incredible. I'll find that audio. Yeah. Another funny story. In that era, I didn't have an iPhone or anything, so there's no voice memo situation. I bought a voice recorder from Radio Shack, (laughs) specifically so I could record all of the wicked performances I was going to see while I was in Hawaii. So those are vintage. Do you have to like take those to a shop to like get them converted into a digital file? No, it had like a weird like USB-C connector thing to like plug it in and put it onto iTunes. Oh my God. It's very crafty. (laughs) Yeah. In May 2013, she went into the Broadway company of Wicked in the ensemble and understudying Alphaba. In July of that year, she was back out on the tour as an emergency Alphaba cover. Then in November 2013, she's uh, back in Wicked on Broadway as the Alphaba standby. November 2013 through 14, she's in the ensemble, understudying Alphaba in and out. And then in December 2014, again, out on the tour, emergency Alphaba cover. August 2016, Wicked Broadway, she's back in the ensemble, Alphaba understudy, in and out through 2019. 
she's there. She's ready. <laughs> so it shouldn't surprise us. The writing has been on the wall that she would pull off the impossible. And come back in the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> Just two months ago. She was an emergency cover during the... The Omi disaster, I want to call that era. But she had not done the role in seven years. I'm so glad it was her, though. I was like, Me yes. too. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> in addition to all of that craziness, um, from 2015 to 2017, she was a principal guest entertainer on Norwegian Cruise Lines. That's a nice gig. Uh, okay. You work one night a week. You do like your 40-minute set twice. Gotcha. So as Jenny Denoy would say, she cushy. <laughs> We're up to date with her theatrical resume, but I do just want to include some other like accomplishments of hers because I think these are part of what makes her so exceptional. Um, so in 2016, she got a master's degree in educational theater. In 2019, she graduated from uh, a program that like trains artistic or creative people how to like code and like shift into a gear in tech and she is as we all know like currently working as a software engineer Mm -hmm. i just feel such a like spark of inspiration with her because like i got that speech dozens of times if you can do anything else do that instead and like nobody ever told you do that too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's just a fence built around being an artist that it's like all or nothing Mm-hmm. It's like really cool to see somebody who not only like can still do both, but does still do both and is excellent at both. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool for me and a nice reminder for me that it's like. That at any second you could just. I too have and... not performed the role in the last seven years, but I could. <laughs> So yeah, we're very excited. She's going to be here very soon. Should we do a Stuck on SJB? We should explain, since it's the first Stuck on SJB of the new era, as you know, as you might know, we should explain too, because some people listening might not follow us on Instagram. Follow us on social media, which maybe you should. Maybe you should. But if you don't have social media, that's okay too. This era, we are going to do a Wicked interview every other episode and a non-Wicked interview in the in between weeks. We're really excited about that. We're excited to talk to some ladies who we've always wanted to talk to, but couldn't find a wicked angle through which to talk to them. We've already done one non-wicked interview. And let me tell you, there were wicked angles throughout. Like we were surprised by it. So now I think we find the wicked angle with every non-wicked guest we have. I don't think there's an actress on this island who doesn't have a single connection to Wicked. You know what I mean? Like, who doesn't have a touch point, you know? So anyway, so with Stuck on SJB, we are going to try this era limiting that to being in the Wicked episodes. So basically in the Wicked episodes, you're going to get a Stuck on SJB on air. In the non-Wicked episodes, you're going to get a Choices, Options, and Bootlegs on air. And for both of those episodes, whichever segment you're not getting on air, you're going to get on social. So it's like, really, you're not losing anything. We're just trying to keep the time of these episodes down, you know? Because they get long. (laughs) They get long, and it's long to edit. (laughs) Um, Anyways, on that note, Stuck on SJB. Yes, so my Stuck on SJB is a throwback to one of the, like, OG Stephanie J. Block videos that was really formative in my young gay obsession with her. Okay. It is the obsessed with Seth Rudetsky where he's Mm. at the piano. She's doing a bunch of ridiculous shit. And those are my favorite videos. Those are, I love, loved those videos in high school. And honestly, like, is it my dream to just like become Seth Rudetsky? I think so. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that I love about this video. This isn't, It's not like a performance video, so I'm not really going to like break it down into anything super meaningful, but a couple points to to look out for. Is this a Bible preacher headshot? This is, yes. So the pre-J headshot. The pre-J headshot. That's what she calls it. She's like, it's pre-J, it's pre-J. So we have like a gloriously blown out headshot of Stephanie Block. It's very 80s. And Seth says, how do you look younger now than you do in this photo? Doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a couple things to point out. 
Um, number one, I have always found it hysterical that she's just like holding the mic pack. I don't know why, but it, that image is like burned into my head. <laughs> Another thing to check out, come on Soprano, because she whips out uh, not writings on the wall, the other one. Between the very dead of night and Moonlight. day. And I would like her to put that back in the concert circulation because she sounds gorgeous. Sure. This video is also the birthplace of the iconic catchphrase, an E doesn't scare me. Mm, yes, that's right. That might have been the first time I like knew what a top was. <laughs> like that was like... <laughs> I would love to feel as confident about anything as Stephanie J. Block felt about hitting an E on September 24th, 2012. All of this culminates in Seth Rudetsky assembling this like fever dream of like a 16 bar cut. Very Scent Men in vibe. That's a very Scent Men ask. I'm telling you, Seth Rudetsky, he ran so we could walk as sentimental men. Yeah, that's true. So he makes her do a cut from the Pirate Queen then she does a little tap dancing because let us not forget, Ms. Block is a Reno Sweeney. She is a Reno Sweeney. Send her to the West End. Oh my God, if she replaced Carrie Ellis. Is that who's doing it? Why did I think Rachel yeah. York was going in? Ooh, but that would also be good. And then it ends with the battle cry, the war cry. Ah. All right, shall we get into the interview? Yeah, let's do it. Carla Stickler, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. So you don't remember this, but we do have a history together, and I'm sorry for ambushing <laughs> with you once we started recording. Okay. Back when I was 13, 14, the mm -hmm. Wicked Tour came to Hawaii, <gasps> and I was like searching up the cast, needed to know everyone, became obsessed with you because you were the current standby on tour. Mm -hmm. And then my high school, I don't know how it happened, was chosen to do the like Making Magic Defying Gravity concerts that you had been doing with Michael Mahaney. Mm -hmm. And I was one of the kids who got to do it. Oh my gosh. That's why your name looked familiar. <laughs> That's so funny. I was like, why does it sound familiar? I feel like I know this. No, it's like a really crazy that it came back in this way so many years later. Yeah. But yeah. That was such a beautiful show that we did. That was so much fun. Wait, so what like organization was it for again? Because you were doing it for a while, right? Yeah, I was working with the Educational Theater Association, which I think now is the Educational Theater Foundation. Gotcha. Um, and when we were in... Like, I think we did one in LA and Seattle and Utah and Hawaii. And we would basically like work with a high school and we would put together a show in 24 hours <laughs> and we would raise money for scholarships in the arts for yeah. high school students. That's Honestly, so cool. being a part of that was such a huge moment for me. It made me realize I wanted to be a teacher and like, I loved working with all of you guys. It yeah. was so much fun to watch everyone just like work their butt off and be like incredible high school kids and like live love their whole life in musical theater. I loved it. Well, it, that was the thing. It was like huge for us. Like the six of us were walking around campus for the rest of the week being like, yeah, we did that. <laughs> <laughs> and also you sang I'm Not Afraid of Anything from Songs for a New World at that concert. And that's what introduced me to Songs from a New World. Mm, I love that song. Truly foundational moments, Carla. <laughs> and so I'm honored that I was a part of that for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we start every interview with asking, how did Wicked come into your life? Not as an actress, but what's your first touch point with the show itself? So I'm going to age myself. I think it was my senior year of college. I did not see it right when it opened, because what, it opened in 2004? Three. three. three? Was yeah. it three? Oh, yeah, that makes sense, because the 10-year anniversary was 2013 when I was there. <laughs> 10 years before that would have been 2003. Okay, so I graduated from college in 2005 at NYU, and I definitely saw it, like, in that year. I... So the thing is, when I was in high, when I was in college, I was studying theater, and I wasn't really seeing a lot of musicals. Mm. Oh, you're straight musical theater. thing. I was studying. I was like studying the method at the Lee Strasberg Institute. Gotcha. I was crying a lot. I was like, I'm gonna be an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you and Lady Gaga. Yeah, <laughs> she was actually. She was there. She was a freshman, I think, when I was a senior. Oh wow. A friend of mine did like a songwriter night with her. Oh cool. Um, so I got more into musical theater, kind of right into my senior year and when I was like, I'm going to do musical theater. And so I was like, oh, I, everybody keeps talking about Wicked. I should go see Wicked. Did you know you could sing? I had been singing my whole life. Like I had, my mother is a musician. My grandmother was an opera singer. 
I grew up in her studio. I was singing, like I was a coloratura soprano. Mm -hmm. I went to Cincinnati Conservatory of Music as a voice major my freshman year. I was like an interlocking arts academy kid. And I had a cyst on my vocal cords my freshman year of college while I was studying opera. And I had surgery and dropped out. So I was like, I'm going to go to NYU and I'm going to be an actor and I'm never going to sing again. And then it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. So I did that. I went to NYU. I did not think about musical theater. And then I got into it my senior year because I, that song, Not Afraid of Anything. Really? I had to like do this program in the summer to get some credits out of the way. And I had to do Cap 21 because it was the only program that had like a summer so I like did musical theater and I sang that song for one of my teachers and I was like bawling because I was like so afraid of singing. And they were like, why aren't you doing musical theater? You're good at this. And I was like, I'm terrified. <laughs> I don't want to sing. I don't know how to sing. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to break everything oh and it's going to be awful and I'm going to fail. And um, and so I that was kind of like a very pivotal moment for me. Um, and then I spent my whole senior year just studying privately. I got a teacher and so that kind of is when I decided to go see Wicked, when I was like, okay, I think I'm, I feel like I need to see this. I really like Kristen Chenoweth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you were like soprano, soprano. Yeah, I loved, I loved singing like Girl in 14G because I loved that she could do all of that crazy stuff, but also like sing jazz and belt. And my goal was to be like Kristen Chenoweth. Kevin's too. I mean, whose isn't? <laughs> So yeah, I went and saw it my senior year and I remember watching it being like, oh, there's no role for me in this because I'm not a soprano anymore. So I can't play Glinda. And I was like, maybe I could be like a Nessa Rose, but (laughs) I didn't really see myself as an alphaba. And I'm the kind of person I can't watch a show without analyzing like which part I'm going to play in that show. (laughs) And so I spent most of the time just like focusing on like, okay, which role would I play? And I was like, oh, well, there's not really a role for me. So I don't really care. (laughs) Wicked schmigged. <laughs> Wicked schmigged. Because were you not like belting? I was like learning to belt my senior year. I had mm-hmm. I had a teacher who was teaching me how to like how to have like a solid mix. Uh-huh. Um, but it was still really new, and I was still kind of scared of it. And yeah, I wasn't fully committed to belting. I didn't fully learn how to have like a solid, consistent belty mix until I toured with Mamma Mia, because mm-hmm. that show taught me how to scream. <laughs> at the top of my lungs into a microphone over and over again. Isn't that what Jenny Denoya said too? <laughs> Her and I were actually talking about that when I was there in New York this past time. She was like, Mama Mia taught me how to sing. I was like, oh my God, it taught me. Like I had no idea how to sing pop music really until I did that show. Mm. Yeah. Just like the styling and how to do like a breathy ooh. Mm. Up there. Right. And especially all the like background vocals in that show that the ensemble does. Oh my gosh. It's all a- that booth singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was my point? Oh yeah. I, I wasn't, I'm embarrassed about this, but I just didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of Wicked when I saw it the first time. Sure. I was just like in a weird moment in my life and I, yeah. and I was like, okay. Oh, the, I thought the, um, the surprise with the lion cub at the end was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> the tail yanking. <laughs> That was the takeaway. (laughs) That was what it was. And the Tin Man. I see what they did. Okay. I'm like really embarrassed by that, but it's true. That was was my favorite part. Who did I see? Was it like Shoshana? In 2005. Shoshana was first replacement. It might have been Shoshana then. Probably Um, was. And then it was... Megan Hilty. I think it was Megan actually. Yeah. Um, And then I saw it again years later for the second time after not having thought about it at all. When I was on tour with Mamma Mia, we saw it in LA. Mm. Oh. And I think then we saw Eden. Yeah, that makes sense. And I don't remember who played. Megan, probably. Megan, yeah. I might, also I might Megan. have only seen yeah. Megan. It's very possible. <laughs> um, and I remember that time I connected with the show more. And I think it was because I was like fully already in the business of musical theater at that point. Mm. You had been singing pop already. I had a new respect <laughs> for the straight tone. For the straight tone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was like, I remember watching her No Good Deed because we all had to run out. We had to leave right after No Good Deed because we had to drive back down to Orange County to do the show that night. So we uh-huh. missed the very end of the show. I love the idea of the cast of Mamma Mia running out of Wicked. So embarrassing. Just being like, excuse me, excuse me, sorry. Her No Good Deed was so fierce. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I don't know why it didn't really mean anything to me the first time I saw it but that that time I saw it I don't know what year that was maybe like 2008 Mm -hmm. it was magical I was like oh this show is really cool I could do that I feel like I could do that I still didn't have my I didn't really fully think that I could do Elphaba until I replaced 
Vicky Noon and Carrie Menalakis on tour. Gotcha. In Mamma Mia. As soon as both of them got cast as Elphaba, I was like, oh, I could do that. Mm. I was like, if they can do that, I can do that. Um, I'm the same as them. We're all the same. Right. They did this. I'm doing this. Right. If they did that that, and I can do do what they do, then I can do that. Uh, But I didn't really truly think I could do it until then. So walk us through the audition process. How did that come on your radar the first ever time you went in? I think it was before I went out on tour with Mamma Mia. So that would have been, it would have been sometime in 2006. Okay. Um, I went in for Nessa. Gotcha. And I remember I left the audition and my agent called me and told me I wasn't tragically beautiful enough to play Nessa Rose. What kind of a note is that? Like, what does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) It's not clearly a compliment or an insult. It's just like, okay. Yeah. It was clearly like the dumbest thing any person has ever said. Um, But... It meant nothing. And I think that was also part of why I was like, I don't think Wicked is a show for me because Nessa's the role that I could see myself playing. You thought playing. it was going to be. I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't tragically beautiful enough to play the role. So What a wild <laughs> piece of feedback. <laughs> it's so dumb. So, the, But the ironic thing is um, when they finally cast me in the show, like two months into being there, they told me they needed a new Nessa cover and mm-hmm. they just gave it to me. I didn't even have to audition for it. Uh, they were like, oh, you can do Nessa, right? I was like, oh, okay. Yes. I guess now I'm tragically beautiful in that now. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was the first time. And then I didn't ever, I didn't go back in for it until 2009. Okay. And was that for Nessa again? Or was that a different track? No, it was for Alphaba. Okay. Alphaba Principle. For the tour. Okay. For the cover. Yeah. 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 Uh, there was, at that point in time in 2009, there was a San Francisco company. There was the first national. I think they were about to launch the second national. Mm-hmm. And... I think the first time I went in was for the San Francisco company for the understudy. And I believe Vicky? No. Yeah. Who took it? I don't remember. Who I think it was Vicky. In that, in that spot. It might have been Vicky. Yeah. God, you're so good at this, Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> so 2009, my agent called and asked me if I thought I was more of a Glinda or an Alphaba. Ooh. Well, because I'm, I'm a petite person mm-hmm. who can also uh-huh. sing soprano and was also belting. And it was right around the same time that both Vicky and... And Carrie were, do, were like kind of getting into that world. And I was like, well, uh-huh. if they can do it, I can do it. So let's do Alphaba. Let's just go for Alphaba. Let's try it. I've never sung the music before. <laughs> See if no it sticks. <laughs> He's like, great, I'll send you over the packet and we'll get you in for an appointment. And I was like, okay. So I went home and I got the packet and I started singing through it. I was actually very surprised. I was like, oh, I can sing this. Mm-hmm. I thought this was wow. higher. <laughs> Had you like tried to sing it like in the shower for fun before? Quincy, I'm really embarrassed about this, but I'm not like... I'm not like super into musicals. Yeah. Yeah. I like musical theater, but I I don't listen to soundtracks. I'm embarrassed. I blame my mother for that. <laughs> she knows. She's a musical. She's like a Sondheim fanatic. Uh, okay. And so I grew up with her her being like Sondheim or nothing. There's no other musical theater sure. that is worthy of anyone's time if it is not Stephen Sondheim. She must have loved you and Mamma Mia then. Yeah. yeah I was going to oh say. Oh my God. It was so funny that that was the first big show that I <laughs> She, she'd be like, oh, it was, it was fun. <laughs> yes. And I was like, stop it. <laughs> you hated it. <laughs> As we're talking about you being surprised by how easy it was, I just want to ask you, I often say to Quincy, some of my favorite belters always happens they were sopranos first. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like having that foundation mm-hmm. allowed you to fall into singing this role? Absolutely. I actually heard you say this on the podcast. Um, I think sopranos make the best belters. Vocally, it, it makes so much sense, right? As a soprano, you spend a lot of time, a lot of your early training, dragging your head voice down. So you mm-hmm. learn how to mix from the top down, mm-hmm. which means you have a very strong middle section mm-hmm. if you want. Like if you learn how to then go the other direction, you automatically bring in a lot more of your top part of your voice lower. So it makes it easier to get up there because you naturally bring that stuff in at a lower place. Yeah. Every alphabet has a totally different sound, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I have found the girls who tend to be a higher set voice tend to have less vocal problems with the role than the girls mm-hmm. who tend to be more belters coming into the role. Because yeah. if you're approaching yeah. alphabet, I think as a belter, it's hard to sing mm-hmm. if you're belting. It's the top of your range and you're going to blow your chords out. Um, and sopranos tend to mix it more. And, they, yeah. and I think they tend to have more sustainable alphabet careers yeah i always say it's like the same reason that dancers start with ballet Mm -hmm. it's like you have to get those muscles used to 
what you're asking them to do. Well, and even the girls who are more like heavier voices, they tend to have more rounded, deeper, kind of more typically mezzo-y sounds. Mm. The ones who I think are successful are the ones who know that they need to still train the top. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it in the coloring as they as they move into the high belty stuff. You hear them mixing it more. That's why you're not worried they're going to hit those notes. You're you're worried when you don't start to hear that kind of color mm-hmm. as you hear somebody belting yeah, yeah. really high. You know, you can hear. I think we all we maybe don't know specifically what it is, but you can hear when someone is just like pushing, yeah, really hard from below. And you're like, oh, I don't know if they're going to make it. Yeah, um, Which is thrilling. And I sadistically like a, yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It can be thrilling a few times if it until a person wrecks their voice. Yeah. If it works right. out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. Mm, so glad we got to talk about this. <laughs> okay, yeah. so we go through the audition process for Alphaba cover. Oh, yeah. I was like, yes, let's try Alphaba. I go in and I do the material and... After the audition, it actually went really well. I felt like it went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, they called my agent and they were like, we really like Carla. She's great. We're not going to, we're going to pass this time, but we want to see her a few more times. Um, we're going to bring her in and do like a little coaching session. So I mm-hmm. went and did a little coaching session. How does that feel in the moment? Is that encouraging or discouraging? No, it's helpful because I'm a big fan of constructive criticism yeah. as long mm-hmm. as it is constructive and helpful. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I love that. Like, yes, please coach me because mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong until you tell me, Sure. you know, mm-hmm. or if there's something else you want, please tell me, I will happily try it. So I found that to be really productive. And it was one of those things where I just felt like it was a matter of time that I was going to book it mm-hmm. the way that they were kind of coming back. They're like, okay, great. We really like Carla. We have a bunch of other slots opening up. Um, we're going to bring her in again. And I was like, cool. And I had like in my gut, I was like, I'm going to book this. Um, so this was, I would say this was like, in a six-month period. Okay. Mm-hmm. Over the six months, you were, like, wor- going in sporadically and working with them? Yeah. Okay. And working. And every time, they're like, okay, we really like Carla. Um, not yet. But I think it's because they knew they had all these other companies. I was going to say, at this mm-hmm. point in the show's trajectory, they are going to need a roster of people. Well, and the second national was about to open, or it had just opened, or I don't remember. Yeah. And then um, there was, like, a lot of movement happening. There usually is towards the ends and beginnings of years. All mm-hmm. the shows I've ever booked have been like January. Gotcha. I was just like, it's a matter of time. Um, and then January they called me and I had a friend teach me the dance call because this was the first time I ever went into dance for it. Mm. Oh, um, Because sure. I had to do it for the understudy track. You have to dance. Yeah. That track dances a lot. <laughs> More than a than I think a singer belter track should ever have to dance. <laughs> I had a friend teach me the um, the hoi polloi mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a little bit of Oz dust in the rehearsal room at the Gershwin, like a week before my my dance call. And are we a dancer? Are we a mover? Are we oh, nothing? No. Okay. No, no, no. I almost, I literally almost got fired from Mamma Mia during my rehearsals during the show because I couldn't, I was not picking up the choreography. Gotcha. Because I am not a dancer. I got it. I got it eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it took a minute, <laughs> but learn. I got there. Um, <laughs> sure. So um, I thank God she taught it to me because I also don't pick up choreography fast. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I nailed it. That Okay, but I have to tell you the funny thing about that audition, that dance call. It was, see if I can remember everybody who was there. It was me, Catherine Charlebois, mm. Christine Dwyer. Every girl who booked the Alphaba cover or like one of the school <laughs> covers within that whole year of 2010 was at that call. Um, and yeah. it was really funny because we all just kind of got filtered out into different companies. And over the yeah. over the year, you'd be like, oh, my God, remember that dance call? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, I made it through the call. I made it through the lifting part of the call. And then I they called me like a week later and we're like, hey, mm-hmm. you want to go on tour in a week? And I was like, yeah. Always a week. Yeah, Nobody has week. ever been like. Yeah, I got the call and then I had a month to get my life together. It's always it's like, like, hey, you want to go to um, Buffalo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You want to um, pack up your whole life? Yeah. 24 hours? Great. Yeah. Well, okay, so at this point, Wicked is like Wicked with a capital W. So was this like, uh, oh my God, I booked this incredible job moment for you? Yes. Okay. Like, are you thinking longevity here? This is a show I can be in for a long time. We're going to get, I'm going to get real personal for a second. Yeah. So at the time I was auditioning for the show, I was actually in the process of getting divorced. Uh, like, I don't think I would have had alphabet alf- strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
if I hadn't been going through that, because that was kind space. of the thing. Oh, like I was like, wow. re, I was like refinding myself as a performer. Yeah. I was uh-huh. like, oh my God, I'm so confident. I'm so incredible. Look at what I can do. And I was bringing that into that audition. That's kind of beautiful. Literally Wicked saved my life. It taught me that I am a strong person and that I have a lot to give and that I'm a talented person and that like I am more than I thought I was. At that time, I was, I was just kind of a mess. Yeah. So my goal when I went on tour was not like, oh, I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to stay forever. Mm-hmm. I Like, it was, oh, I have a reason to get out of the city now. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Like something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it didn't matter. I had no, I had no goal or plan. I just knew this is fantastic. I can leave and not have mm-hmm. to think about it and go do something else and pour all of my energy and attention into this thing. Yeah, yeah. For me, that's what Wicked was. It wasn't necessarily like a means to an end. It wasn't I'm going to stay on tour for three years. I had, right. I didn't definitely didn't plan that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did not anticipate that I would be out there that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the reason it ended up being that long is I was in the understudy role for a year. And about six months into my being there, they told me they wanted to move me up to the standby track, but her contract wasn't going to be up for six months. And who was it? Was it Steph Torrance? No. So I replaced Steph Torrance gotcha. when she moved into the Broadway company. And then Marianne Torres was our, underst- mm. was our standby. It's crazy how all of you are still kicking around the Wicked universe. I know. It's insane. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm lying to you. I'm making up things. Um, I was the understudy for two years and the standby for one year. That makes more sense. Okay. Because Marianne didn't start until about six months into me being there. Okay. We had Meredith K. Clark was our standby mm. and Donna was our full-time alphabet. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the, they both left and then Jackie and Marianne came in. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it was Jackie, Marianne, and me for about a year and then Mamie. Because Mamie was in LA. Because I remember I was standing by for Mamie. I think it was Jackie, Mamie, Nicole, D, right? <laughs> Jackie, Mamie, Nicole, D. That is correct. That feels. And I stood by for Nicole and D and I understudied Mamie. You guys, we found we it. Got it. That was incredible to witness. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be so interesting for your listeners. <laughs> They're screaming at us right now for not getting it sooner. Yeah, they'll be yelling, it was Mamie. <laughs> it was Mamie. So when you were understudying, were you like, next for me is I want to do standby? Or was it just a surprise when they offered it? Yeah, I, I, as we kind of touched on earlier, I'm not a dancer. Mm-hmm. And that track dances. <laughs> when I found out I was going to move up with standby role, I was very excited. The standby role is great. And I'm not going to lie, you know, once you start playing that role, you want to play it more. And when you're the understudy, you play it very infrequently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gotten to go on a few times in the two years that I was the understudy. But um, I loved it. Every time I got to perform the role... It's hard to explain, but it's like that thing. You're like, oh my God, I love, like, I feel so many things when I get to do this and I want to do mm-hmm. this more. Like, it's rock star role. Yeah, these, these all this stuff you get to feel. Is this a hard role for you to play? It's interesting because there are different ways that you approach the role depending on which track you're in, right? Oh, sure. As the understudy, every time you go on for that role, you know you're probably not going to do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you approach that role like, I'm going to do this once, so I'm going to give it every single ounce of myself gotcha Mm. um and then when you're the standby you tend to know like oh i I have a week over her i have a week that i'm gonna be on so you pace yourself a little bit more Mm -hmm. you know the longest i did it was for almost two weeks in new york Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was a different kind of stamina you sing the show differently when you have to do it more than once more than a week you cannot give it all the things you can give it when you go on as an understudy mm-hmm. or a standby. It's literally impossible. It's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. If I did the show that I did in New York this past winter every night, I would die. Yeah. <laughs> Just because it was, I give, and, and that's the thing I think too that people don't understand is when you see understudies and standbys, we get to give you everything. We get to give mm-hmm. you a fantastic show because we get to live. Yeah. It is, mm-hmm. we are, we are fresh. We're not super exhausted. Right. Um, she's a hard role. Yeah. And mm-hmm. doing her over and over again, it really wears you down. Yeah. I'm glad you said that about understudies because I think that's like a really good perspective to have. Mm-hmm. I love seeing an understudy or a step, you know what I mean? Because like, it, it is, there's always like a, a magical element to it. But it's also less robotic, you know, because it's like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's less, uh, a lot of the, the fun stuff that you put in there hasn't been like noted away. Mm-hmm. Like after the show, we're like, hey, um, that thing you did. Let's not do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, so you get, you get to have a little more fun, yeah. I think, when you don't do it all the time. 
they also forget, you know, you don't go on all the time and then you go on after a month or whatever and you do the things you did before. <laughs> and they go, hey, yeah. remember that note that we gave you a month like, ago? Oh yeah, next time. Like, oh, oh yeah, sorry. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. Oh, sorry. sorry, adrenaline, you know, I got carried, I hadn't done it in yeah. a while. I'm just kind of going with Muscle memory, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's also why you'll hear under studies of standbys riff a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Like they can get away with it a little bit more because they'll do it so much more infrequently. Yeah. Before you got on, we tried to run through your resume and do all of the, she was on tour, then she was covering on Broadway, then they flew her out emergency cover for tour. Barring the Omicron of it all, what is the craziest Alphaba story you have? So I'll tell you about my Alphaba debut. Because honestly, I think everybody knows about it now in the Wicked world. That, sure. Uh, listen, I'm not going back to Wicked anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you the story. <laughs> so when I was right on tour, fresh, I think I had been there for a few months. Mm -hmm. I had not gone on. I had just done my put-in. We were in New Orleans. Ooh. Yes. Oof is correct. <laughs> we were in New Orleans. And we had, on our day off, we had this big benefit concert we did, like a Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS benefit concert. The week before, Donna and Meredith had both been sick, I think. And so that's why I had been like in my head, like really going to the show because mm -hmm. I thought, oh, it might have to go on. Mm -hmm. But after the show was over, Meredith comes up to me and she says, okay, Donna went home. I am going to go home. You should go have fun with everybody don't worry we're both gonna be fine you're gonna be okay because <sighs> no meredith and donna were really great about keeping me up to date on how they were feeling all sure. the time they wanted to make sure that if i had to go on i got some notice and i would i wouldn't be in a panic yes which thank you sure yeah um so i was like great are you sure meredith she's like go have fun so i did <laughs> i had a lot of fun i had so <laughs> Much fun. <laughs> we were in New Orleans, so I'm going to let you use your imagination sure. about all of the fun we had yeah. until about like four or five oh in the morning. God, kind sure. of fun. Um, like almost got arrested at the <laughs> casino at some point. Kind of fun. Um, and the next morning, I am so hungover. We were supposed to go. The whole company was going to do one of those. Um, what is that thing where you go and like build a house? Habitat for Humanity. Mm. We had a Habitat for Humanity thing the next day, and I could not go. Mm. I, I was so sick. I was like, I am vomiting. <laughs> I, I cannot go. So I was like, I'm not going to go. I just didn't go. Um, I'm texting with some other people that were out with me that night. I'm like, I feel like I'm the best. I'm gonna, I was like, I'm going to call out. And the girl who had just started the show with me, Emily, Emily Ferranti. Mm. Emily and I, she was another girl who was at that dance call. Mm. She, her and I started the same day. Oh. Um, and Emily was a swing. So she covered all the female singers tra tracks. Okay. And mm. so I, I'm just texting her. She's like, girl, you better not call out. I'm going to kill you. She's like, I cannot do it. She's like, I am so hungover. I cannot do your role. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to call out. And she's like, you cannot. You cannot. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I'm just like in bed. I'm just like a mess. And I want to say the show is at like 7 that night. So I'm just kind of like waiting. Just like, I'm like, okay, what time's a good time to call out? So all day we're hungover. <laughs> all day. All day. We're waiting until like, we're waiting until like that. What's a good window to call out to give everyone enough time? <laughs> we're not even entertaining the idea of doing an ensemble track tonight. No. <laughs> we should be in bed. We should never leave our bed again. We should stay home and we should quit the business because we are terrible. A terrible person. Got it. And I get a call at five o'clock for the seven o'clock show from my stage no. manager, who, mind you, was out with me. <laughs> oh. The whole night. Calls me and goes, hey, you're on. You're going to make your album a debut tonight. No. And I was like, okay, great. Let's do it. It's going to be great. I'm going to get to the theater earlier. I'll be there, I'll be there soon. I got to be there in a little bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so I just also want to like preface this with my own dumb self that night. I, I vaguely remember being very drunk at the bar and telling my stage manager, I'm ready, Peter. I'm ready. You can put me on. Not that I'm moment. I'm so ready. Because I hadn't been on yet. <laughs> and I wanted to play the role so bad. <laughs> oh my God. I can see that happening. So he was like, it's happening. 
<laughs> You're ready, right? So I I go down into the lobby and I realize that my rental car is not there. And are you last string at this point? Like there's no one else that could do Alphabet tonight. There is no one else. <laughs> okay. We can do this role at this point. You find yourself in this position a lot, Carla. You have no idea. This is how my career as Alphaba started, and it is how it ended. It is perfectly bookmarked with me being the last person standing in a very unfortunate situation. I can't find the car. My roommate took the car. It has my, I have a foldy bike, which is how I usually go to the theater, mm. but my bike is in the trunk of the car, so I don't have my bike, and I'm like, how am I going to get to the theater? I don't know what I'm doing. And I run into like one of our wardrobe supervisors in the lobby of the hotel. And I was like, you have to take me to the theater right now. <laughs> I have to get there. <laughs> you have to take me. But I'm like about to cry. I'm, like, and I'm sitting there like hand on my side. I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> and we get in the car and I, and I get so nauseous in the car on the way over. <laughs> and the second we get to the theater, I run into Donna Vivino's dressing room and I puke in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm imagining the levitator. Like that would terrify me in your current state. <laughs> oh. Now at this point though, I was a really bad combination of like really still hungover and terrified. <laughs> it's gonna happen whether I'm ready or not. It's gonna happen. I know it, I know the role. Your nervous system is just firing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I had gone into my shower in the hotel room and I. And I sang through the wizard and I, and I, and I got out of the shower and was like, well, that's there. <laughs> okay. So at least I can sing. Yeah. So at least my voice sounds surprisingly great yeah. after a night of whatever I did. Honestly, work. <laughs> yeah. I, cause I'm not going to, that's not usually the case. So I, I was definitely happily surprised that my voice was fine. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I get to the theater, um, they start painting me green. My our makeup artist has me doing like breathing techniques with like one closing one nostril, and because I'm like I literally my I'm like, this is how my life ends. I'm gonna puke on Glenda on stage, oh and I'm gonna go home tomorrow. <laughs> Emily comes by the dressing room and she's like, "Girl, I was so mad when I found out that I had to go on for you." Not now, Emily. And then Bud Weber was like, "No, no, girl, she's on for Alphaba," <laughs> and Emily was like. Oh, I'm so not. I'm so bad. I'm not you. <laughs> Somebody brought me Gatorade. I honestly, up until that that like thing opened up and I ran out on stage, I was mortified. And then it happened, and I blacked out. I don't remember any of it. Mm -hmm. um, and the next day, my music director was like, "Carla, I'm not gonna lie. I was terrified when I found out you were gonna be on because he was also out with us. You were all yeah, out. yeah. <laughs> I love the confession after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, but I gotta say, you nailed it. You sounded great. That was, I don't believe in miracles, but that was a miracle. I don't know what that was. <laughs> like, see, she's dependable. <laughs> that story is is almost not as extreme, but I, I am like laughs off of the standing. But, you know, I think I think it is just, for me, it, it really taught me that I know how to work under pressure. Yeah. I know mm -hmm. like, I know what I can and can't do. So like when they called me for New York this time, mm -hmm. if I could do that, I could do this. All these times you've been brought back as this emergency filler cover, we need you. It's just a call. So you auditioned once, you booked Wicked and never had to audition again. For standby, I did. Oh, okay. When I was on tour, they made me fly to New York after I'd been on the tour for a year and a half to re-audition for the standby role. And then that was the last time I auditioned. Gotcha. Very impressive. Yeah. Now walk us through Omicron Alphaba. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Omicron Alphaba. I love that. Um, <laughs> I I really thought I was done. I like moved to Chicago in April. We bought a house. Because you were like done with the biz. Oh yeah. Okay. No, I I am a software engineer. <laughs> I quit. I'm done. Goodbye. Wicked's you can't call me anymore. Like yeah. you know, I love Wicked and it's hard to say no to Wicked. Sure. So I don't when they call me. I'm I'm I will move things around because I, I enjoy popping in and out of that show. Mm -hmm. It is the perfect show to go in for like a week and do. Mm -hmm. And then you don't get sick of it after a week. Your body doesn't yeah. hurt after a week. You're I like, can see that. Bye. Like I uh, like a swoop bye. in and a swoop out. Call me next yeah. time. So yeah, yeah, I love doing that. But when I when I officially left, moving to Chicago for me was really like that was during the pandemic. You decided that I we moved to Chicago in April of 2021. Okay. So that was like that was my um, 
I'm done. Mm -hmm. I am mm -hmm. removing myself from the equation. Had you been actively like auditioning for other things or were you switching lanes already? I had sort of been actively auditioning on and off up until 2019. Okay. After like my fifth callback for every show that every other Alphaba has played sure. and not booking them, I was so tired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like five auditions for Beautiful, how many ever Elsa auditions yeah. and all the, what's that show, Waitress, and all those shows, right? I was just... Mm, the Wicked to Waitress pipeline. We talk about that. <laughs> right. There's this whole, like, the Alphaba role has, like, a role in all these other shows, and I'd been in for all of them a million times, and nothing was working, and I was, I was like, I just am so tired mm -hmm. of this not working out. Nobody really knows what to do with me, because I, I, then I dyed my hair blonde, and they were like, wow, we don't know what to me. You're so confused. Yeah. I'm like, that's dumb. <laughs> you're gonna wig me. It's good, right? You're gonna wig me either way. Yeah. <laughs> so I left. I was, I fired my agents. Fired is this harsh word. I just, I left. I was like, I'm done. Um, summer of 2019. Gotcha. And mm -hmm. I started my coding boot camp in May of summer of 2019. I was coding and then Wicked called. And the last time I was there was like June or something of 2019. Mm -hmm. Double duty. So I was boot camp during the day, mm. show at night in the weekends. Um, That's so badass. It was fun. It was like, I, I remember when I was when I was doing it for two weeks, I was like, I can do anything. I'm amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. fun. I think during that time, like going in and out of Wicked was super fun. I was there in 2018 when Britney was learning the show. The last time I ever did an alphabet understudy rehearsal was with Britney. Um, mm. And I was with her when she learned the show. Mm. And I I have like a video on my phone of her going up in the bubble for the first time. Oh my God. It was so magical cool. um, to kind of watch her have that journey. So yeah. Mm. So anyway, I'm. this is all to say that I was done. I, I had no reason to act anymore. I wasn't auditioning. And so pandemic, everything shut down. Great, let's get out. I got a Great job. timing. Yeah. yeah, all the timing. I mean, it, it kind of worked out. Uh, and I got a job that was remote. So I moved. Mm -hmm. Were you like, why are you calling me? No, I knew. I knew uh. you were calling me. I, <laughs> listen, I told you, you, you know my story now. When yeah. things fall apart, they call me. <laughs> and I know that to be true about my journey with that show. Oh my God. So you know there's like seven sick green girls in front of you. Yeah, I, I had been on Facebook. I had seen, I knew where everybody was. I, I was kind of peripherally. Yeah. When all this started happening, were you just like, no, no, no. I don't know if you all know, right? Christine was there and she was covering. Yeah, and they brought in Alyssa Fox too, right? Yeah, Alyssa had gotten COVID. Mm. So she was out. Um, I knew that like Marianne, I think had COVID and like, I think Laurel just had a baby. And I, I was like going through all the girls in my head who I knew had been kind of recently in. And then when, when I saw Christine's post that morning on Facebook, I was like laying in bed. We were, we were heading up on vacation mm -hmm. and I, and I read that post no. and I had this feeling. And your heart sank. And I, you know, I wish it would be a better story if I'd said it out loud. Cause I didn't tell my husband I, and I, I just, I knew it. And literally three hours later in our car, our car ride, they, my husband was like, Carl, you have a text message from Wicked. And I was like, I know I do. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I have oh my God. <laughs> was it always going to be a yes in your head? No, I wanted to say no so bad, but I didn't. It was, it's that thing where I wanted to commit to the fact that I had left, mm -hmm. right? I wanted mm -hmm. to commit to, I left. I done. never have to say yes again. Yeah. I'm done. And I couldn't, I couldn't. I, I love that show and I love mm -hmm. just, you, you know, watching all the things that have been going on. And like, I want, I want Broadway to keep going. Yeah, especially in the thick of that Omicron era, mm -hmm. anything to yeah. help, you know? Yes. So I, I, I said to my husband, I think I have to go. And he goes, okay. I think you should. I support it. Thank you. I uh, this is not going to be a fun like twelve hours while I figure this out. Just bear with me. Mm -hmm. um, I we were in, in a cabin in the middle of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is like oh real far. Uh, no cell service. And this is a movie. I know, y'all. I don't know. So I <laughs> we get up there and I pour myself a mezcal soda because <laughs> that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, we sat around the fire and my friends put karaoke on and made me sing through all the alphabet songs a couple times. Not a karaoke. <laughs> yeah. Just like a MIDI track. Oh, and those tempos are all wrong. 
But then that night I was like, okay, well, I can't just sing them once. I need to like sing them a couple times today. I need to like spread Uh them out. Mm -hmm. I need to like build up that stamina. And was it there or did it take getting there? No, it was fine. I don't know, you guys. I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It was fine. And I don't mean to say like... I'm amazing. No, yeah. no, I'm. I was just as shocked as you are. Jackie Burns is another one who's like, yeah, it's just there. And another soprano. Another soprano. Jackie and I would talk about technique and like approach a lot backstage. She'd be like, Carla, how should I approach this? I'm just this weird thing. And I was like, I don't know. I'll try this. And she's oh, like, okay, great. That's really cool. That makes my heart sing. Just because like we're very similarly high set soprano yeah. alphabets. I love that. So I just, I, I knew I could do it also because like, if I can do it in New Orleans, I could do this. Yeah. You know? It all comes back to New Orleans. It all comes back to New Orleans. So I get there. Um, I have an awful travel day. I watch the show that night. I go to the hotel room. I can't sleep. So I haven't slept. Like at this point, like I haven't slept in like three days. Like yeah. they're just, I, I, I was so tired. I ended up buying like melatonin because I was like so sure. stressed out. <laughs> Yeah. I'm also sure you're on like COVID defense too because everyone's getting it at this point. <laughs> that was the thing I was the most stressed out about because yeah. I had a terrible mask while I was tri- like during mm. my travel day. I was on vacation, y'all. All I had were leggings and Uggs and like sweatshirts. And a cloth and, mask. <laughs> and a cloth mask because I didn't think I was going to be seeing anybody. Yeah. Um, I was just like so anxious I was going to get COVID. I was actually really, the next morning, I went to watch the show that night and then the next morning I had to go get a COVID test before they would let me into the building backstage. Uh-huh. And I just, like I didn't sleep because I was like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have COVID yeah. and I'm going to have to stay in this hotel room for 10 days in Midtown <laughs> and not be able to help. <laughs> and it's going to be really sad. Uh, so when that came back negative, I was like, okay, then we can do this. And then I, we took tests every day, yeah. but I didn't have that much rehearsal. I only did like one day of rehearsal and then I watched the show to trail Jenny. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning I, I ran through the whole thing in the rehearsal room. Yeah. Um, but at that point they were like, great. And was your performance fine? Did it just go smoothly? Quincy, it was the best show. Really? <laughs> I love that, that. That Saturday night show, I I kept coming off stage and I was like, girl, you sound great. I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how is this happening? <laughs> how am I having the best show I've ever had in my entire life? Oh my god! It was so. It was like such an out of body experience. Yeah. Um. And it was. It was really, really lovely. It was really fun because I just. Yeah. I had no stakes. Like there was no pressure. Sure. Right. You know. I was like, I go home. I get to go home after yeah. this. I get to go back. Right. You're doing home. everyone a solid. You're like because of me, you get a show tonight. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I I trust that my worst is pretty good. Yeah. So yeah. um, even if I didn't feel great, I think I'm gonna be fine. Yeah. Um, and it was great. Was there a chance or like a thought in your mind that you might end up doing it again or get sucked back in? Or did you know in that moment, like, this is it. This is my swan song. Yeah. So I knew, I knew I was going to get two shows. I knew a couple days ahead of time that I might be doing those shows. But again, remember we have to test every morning. And so my fear was that by the time the weekend pulled around, that was enough time where like, if I had gotten COVID from flying, I was going to get COVID. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was going to show up. So I had no guarantees that I'd be on. I didn't really feel confident about it. And I knew like, I knew that I would get to also do it Sunday. So I did Saturday night and Sunday matinee. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. really was for me, I don't think I'm ever going to do this again, which is really mm-hmm. nice because as an understudy, you don't always know when the last time you're going to perform is. Mm-hmm. So the last time I did Alphaba, I didn't know it was the last time I was going to do Alphaba. And mm-hmm. not to say that like, I've been chasing that last performance. But, you know, every time I would go in to help out, there was always this possibility that, oh, I get to do it one more time and I get to have that moment. And I never got to have that moment. Oh, that is really nice. Yeah, that's really nice that you got to have that then. Yeah. It felt like it really did feel kind of like a little nice bow on the top of it all. Yeah. Did you anticipate the moment that would come from you doing this? No. I just thought I was going to go home. (laughs) Yeah. No one would ever know the wiser, like, or whatever the phrase is. Yeah. No one would care. I, you know, I, I've been covering this role for so long that, like, every time I've performed it, you know, you don't, as an understudy, you don't make a fuss when you're on. Sure. You mm-hmm. don't want to bring attention to the fact that the person who usually does it can't do it. And so you invite who you can, but you try not to make a big deal about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that this got so much attention uh, was very strange yeah. and unexpected. I've just never in my life had that kind of attention for yeah. 
being an understudy. Yeah. Do you feel like you've been able to absorb that? Are you like accepting these flowers of people being like, you just did the most ridiculously (laughs) superhuman thing? It took me a minute because in my brain, right? Like this is normal. This is my normal journey with alpha. You've been being pulled in in emergency situations. I drove to Philly once because they didn't have an alphabet on the tour. I picked up a rental car, swung by the grocery and picked up my costumes and got there right at half hour to do a show with people I didn't know. So scrappy. Oh my God. This is is literally just the story of my journey with the show. I knew I was going to be able to do it. I didn't think it was different than all of the other times that I've done it. Mm -hmm. The fact that that is my normal as a performer is Mm -hmm, bananas. And so to kind of have an appreciation for that was really, it felt nice. It was, it felt nice to like, to be seen, I guess. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Especially after you've been committed to the show for so long. For me, at least it was a very nice moment to be like, oh, we're all talking about Carla Stickler now. So strange. What is that 12 years after I first joined the company? (laughs) So wild. Okay, this has been so fun. Last question before we go. Yes. Are you a Wizard and I Defying Gravity or No Good Deed Alphabet? It can mean whatever you want it to mean. All we ask is that you explain why you gave your answer. I think before this moment, Mm -hmm. This recent moment, I would have said I'm a no good deed alphabet because I love that song so much mm-hmm. and it's just so much fun to sing. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm a defying gravity alphabet. Here's why. This past time in the show, for the first time, just the meaning of that song yeah. meant so mm-hmm. much to me. Mm-hmm. Um, those words, you know, what she is doing. That song is about reclaiming power. That song mm-hmm. is about standing your ground and saying, I am worthy of this thing that I'm going to do and I'm going to do it because I know it's the right thing to do and I have to do this. It really sums up my whole journey in my life. A lot of leaving the business for me was like reclaiming my power. Mm -hmm. Um, Just I'm tired of auditioning. I'm tired of waiting for people to give me something. I'm going to go and I'm going to find it on my own. I'm going to take it back. And so a lot of that song for me is really finding the way she finds her strength in it. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. um, that is so important to me. And so I I'm I am hundred percent of defying gravity alphabet. I mm. love that and I love that answer. Carla. <laughs> 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 uh, thank you so much for being here. This has been one of my favorite episodes, I think. You guys, I have had so much fun. Thank you so much for Amazing. having me on. Thank you. I had a birthday party right after Carla Stickler's interview, so we dashed before recording the conclusion. And now here we are, three, four days later, recording the outro bit. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we're recording this outro four days later, I've been reeling about the interview for all four days because it truly was like one of my favorite interviews that we've done. This interview... I keep saying, like, it feels like it's going to become one of the sent men staples. Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite part was just her alphabet debut story. That felt like a special story that she was telling the sent men. <laughs> that is like the worst actor's nightmare you could possibly dream up. And she still turned it out, apparently. Apparently, a favorite theme of mine through this conversation was... I always have the notes. Oh, sure. The vocal technique. You guys had a good like conversation about that. Quincy, it felt so nice. That's not the first time someone has validated that opinion for you though. No, but to actually then like get into the weeds of it, a voice, a uh, vocal, what do I call it? Pedagogy lesson. Pedagogy? Isn't that what that's called? Vocal what is pedagogy? this? I don't know. That's like how your voice works. I learned something new today, guys. Oh, and I loved that I got to remind her that she had the privilege of performing with a young Quincy Brown on stage in Hawaii. (laughs) I need to see the picture. I'm sure I have seen it, but I need to see it again. That really was like such a special, special, cool moment. I don't know if I like fully explained it well. Basically, I was like in high school, I was in this theater class, and then like one day got called into this like meeting, and my teacher was essentially like, listen, like we, our school has been chosen to do this performance with the cast of Wicked, and you eight are the kids that we've decided to like be in this performance. Did you die? Like were you- Wicked was my personality then too. Like like everyone knew. (laughs) (laughs) Not too. I vividly remember like Carla was sitting at the dressing room table, like doing her makeup in the mirror and I was seated next to her 
we were not speaking because I was like so nervous and I had like just arrived. Yeah. So I was kind of just like doing my thing and not looking up and like hoping she would make conversation with me. And she did at some point. But yeah, it was just like really cool. And then cool that like now she like came on our Wicked podcast that we had. It's just like a really weird moment. Really fulfilled a Quincy Pipe dream. Mm-hmm. It was nice for me too because I am very moved and inspired by Carla. Um in a lot of like very personal ways, just like because of this like incredible thing that she just did. It was like a rare instance where I felt like our podcast was not just like for my enjoyment, but I also just like feel like I benefited from talking to her. Ah, Carla Stickler, big fan. Should we answer? I'll introduce it because this is the oh. first one. <gasps> Guys, we have a new segment for you. Dearest, darlingest, Kevzy, and Quincicle. Ding! Is there a ding in that? No. Sorry. That's okay. So what this segment is going to be is just like a call-in segment uh, where we answer the questions of our listeners. People are calling in with really good questions, which is fun because like, I don't know a single thing I haven't said about this show. (laughs) But then the Green Circle subscribers came through and said, hey, What about this, that, and the other? And we were like, wow, okay. We got a segment on our hands. I think this first call that we're going to take is a great indication of that because never in a gazillion years would my brain even go to this place. Yeah. And so this question comes from our fellow sentimental, Zach, and let's listen to it. Dearest, darlingest, Kevsey and Quincicle, this question was inspired by a dream I had before the Broadway reopening. And for some reason in my dream, Adina Menzel and Chris Chenoweth replied for like reprised their roles for that one performance. But then Adina had to leave at intermission. And then Lindsay Mendez came out and finished the show in this alternate universe was seeing Wicked. Who were your first act and then had to be replaced by second act choices? Who are your like choices in this alternate universe? First of all, I wish I was having the kinds of dreams you were having. (laughs) (laughs) But secondly, can we answer this question, golden age, new era? I feel like it's too hard to like just pick from all the options over the years. I don't think so. Zach asked for one answer. Kevin put his foot down. (laughs) Okay. Can we just answer the question twice each? (laughs) So you mean, can we just do exactly what you asked to do at first? Oh, is that? <laughs> My God. No, we'll do it once. I can play by the rules. I don't know that this is like my final answer, but it is where my brain went immediately. And so I think the fever dream scenario that I would come up with would be a Stephanie J. Block Alphaba with a Louise Dearman Glinda, and then... Something happens to Stephanie. Louise has to go on as Alphaba for Act Two. Oh. They call Katie Rose Clark. She's down the street, luckily. <gasps> Imagine the power. What? If Katie Rose Clark went back into Wicked? Please. I would love her to. <laughs> but wouldn't it be incredible? Yes. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to pull... From Alphabuzz and Glinda's that I have not seen live. Because I'm going to like... Yeah, that's what I did. Okay. So I want an Adina Act 1. Okay. Paired with a Kristen... (laughs) Glinda. (laughs) Is that allowed? Yeah. And then Act 2, I want SJB to take over for Adina. And I want SJB paired with a Katie Rose Clark Glinda. While we're on the topic, Katie Rose Clark has a belt, and I would love to see her just do a performance of Alphaba. Mm-hmm. Please, if you would like to submit your own Dear Kevsey and Quincicle, email us, sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com. I think voice memos are fun, but if you are not comfortable sending a voice memo, and you can also just type in an email. Yeah, and we'll read it out loud. If we're wrapping up, yeah. I think now's a good time to remind everybody that we would love it if you left us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Would be much appreciated. I love to read them. They're so fun. I know. They keep me keep me afloat some days. And for anyone who has not been around during the break, we launched a subscription group called The Green Circle. For a measly $4.99 a month, you can get access to what, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> You get 
early access to our regular episodes. You get a monthly bonus episode, even during the off season. Um, You get a spot on our close friends on Instagram. And on there, we're posting Kevin's Glinda Corner. We're posting behind the scenes, editing, production stuff. We're playing clips that get cut from the episode. We did like a fun little question and answer thing. Yeah, it's fun in there. Come check it out. All right, guys. See you in two weeks. <gasps> see you in two weeks with our first non-wicked <gasps> guest, you guys. Oh and my buckle God. up. I'm so jealous of everybody who gets to, like, find out who this guest is. That's true. I was literally wondering that the other night. I was like, imagine, like, seeing, like, being into Sentimental Men and seeing the Instagram post that this is happening. I know. <laughs> it's going to be a thrillifying reveal. Yeah. All right, hopefully that's enough of a tease. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced and edited by your hosts, Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. You can support the pod by leaving us a rating or a review or by subscribing. Subscribers get early access to our regular episodes, monthly bonus episodes, and get added to the Scent Men Green Circle. Which is literally our close friends on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Julia DiMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. Lots of heaviness on the chords, too, I'm sure. Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We were not thinking about the wizard and I while we were having fun. We were told to go out and have fun. (laughs) So we were. (laughs) 